0: The passage this morning comes from Luke chapter 19 and Luke chapter 21, the Gospel of Luke chapter 19 and the 21st chapter. You can find the passages printed in your bulletin, or you could follow along in your own Bibles, Luke 19, 41 through 48, and Luke 21, 5 through 9. This is the Word of God. And when he drew near and saw the city, he wept over it because you did not know the time of your visitation. And he entered the temple and began to drive out those who sold, saying to them, it is written, My house shall be a house of prayer, but you have made it a den of robbers. And he was teaching daily in the temple. The chief priests and the scribes and the principal men of the people were seeking to destroy him. But they did not find anything they could do, for all the people were hanging on his words. And then in chapter 21, beginning in verse 5, And while some were speaking of the temple, how it was adorned with noble stones and offerings, he said, As for these things that you see, the days will come when there will not be left here one stone upon another that will not be thrown down. And they asked him, Teacher, Would you please be seated and would you join me in a word of prayer? Father in heaven, we ask this morning that through the reading of your word, the preaching from your word by the work of your spirit among your people, that you would apply your word to our hearts, that you would divide between soul and spirit, that you would show to us, our own sin and idolatry, that You would move us towards Your Son, Jesus Christ, that You would mold us and shape us to be more like Him, that You would conform our hearts to Your glory, that You would move our mouths to Your worship, and that everything we say and do this morning would be pleasing to You, our God. In the name of Jesus Christ, Our Lord and Savior, we ask all of this. Amen. Well, as we get ready to look at this passage, let me say I'm not a big fan of pictures and photographs. I'm not a big fan, though my mother loves her photographs and her pictures. I don't like anything about the process of taking pictures. I don't like looking for a good backdrop. I don't like posing with a smile, trying to capture a moment, and I'm very apathetic to the back end of looking at pictures. I have no interest in looking at pictures. I much more enjoy being in the present or thinking about the future. But as I said, my mother loves photographs, and I think most moms do. She said if her house ever burned down, and she had the opportunity to go in and get one thing out of her home, It wouldn't be the pets, it wouldn't be valuables like money or jewelry, it would be her photographs. and She certainly has a lot of photographs. Whether you like pictures or not, I think we can all agree that pictures and images or photographs certainly have a powerful sway in the mind of man. They have the ability to capture a moment or capture an image, to communicate that image to us over the course of time, to create a sense of nostalgia in our minds that cultivates a yearning or a desire for things that have gone by, for moments of time past. This morning, In Luke chapter 19 and Luke chapter 21, Jesus will speak about two powerful images, two powerful pictures, two photographs, if you will, in the mind of Israel. He will speak about the city of Jerusalem, and He will speak about the temple. Two images that were given by God Powerful pictures meant to communicate something to the people of Israel. And in Luke chapter 19, Jesus will begin to speak about the end of these images. The finality of them, the finish, the dismantling of these images given by God. And yet the people around Him in a very nostalgic way will reject the authentic version, and will yearn for photographs of times past. That's what we're going to look at in these passages this morning, Luke chapter 19 and Luke chapter 21. So as we begin this morning, we begin first of all with the pictures. As I said, there are two of them in the passage this morning. The first picture that Jesus mentions is the picture of the city of Jerusalem. And I'm going to draw my best version of a city. And I will hope in the back that you can at least see something of my picture. Now I know this is not exactly what the city of Jerusalem looked like. But it's a good start, isn't it? Okay? This morning, Jesus begins by speaking about the city of Jerusalem, and we know a lot about the city of Jerusalem, okay? We know this image that runs throughout the entire Old Testament. It is an image that is at the very beginning of the books of the Bible that is present in the imagery and the prophetic predictions of the prophets of the Old Testament, The city of Jerusalem sits on a mountaintop. It was impenetrable from three sides, surrounded by mountains. It was only accessible from the northern side of the city of Jerusalem. And as I mentioned, the city is is present in the Old Testament Scriptures almost from the very beginning. Many historians will point to Genesis 15. In Genesis 15, Melchizedek comes to bring gifts and presents to Abraham. And it says that Melchizedek was the king of Salem. The Hebrew is Shalom. And most people believe this is the present city of Jerusalem. They make the connection because in 1 Kings 15, God says that this city will be my city. I will place my name upon it. And he calls the city, he calls it the city of Jerusalem. That is the city of peace, Jerusalem, the city of peace. And throughout the entire Old Testament, God will make a variety of promises and prophetic predictions about the city of Jerusalem. And we don't have time to cover all of the promises concerning the city of Jerusalem within the Old Testament. But suffice it to say, God will make promises uh, of the people of Israel and their security within the city. He will make promises of His presence among His people, saying, there in the city is where I am. He will make promises of a future celestial city in the new heavens and the new earth. There will be the new Jerusalem. But to summarize the promises of the Old Testament concerning Jerusalem, I would say it it would be good for us to know that the promises of the Old Testament concerning Jerusalem all revolve around the peace of God. The peace of God. Haggai chapter 2, we read it this morning. At the end of that chapter, God says, in that place, I will give you peace. Hearkening back to the name of the city, the city of peace. In Psalm chapter 122, the psalmist says, When you pray, people of God, pray for the peace of the city. Pray for the peace of Jerusalem, the city of peace. So keep that in your mind for a second. Jesus will deal with the city of Jerusalem. And this will be an important part of that conversation. The second image that Jesus will speak about this morning is the temple. Okay, this is my best version of the temple. All right, I know it had pillars and a portico and a roof. It kind of looks like a Corinthian temple, but this is my picture, my version of the Jewish temple. Jesus, this morning, will also speak about the temple in this passage, the temple that sat within the city of Jerusalem, and He will say a number of interesting things about the temple. But the temple is also a very rich image throughout the Old Testament. You see, from the very outset of God gathering a people unto himself, he told them to construct a tabernacle and the tabernacle was the tent of meeting. That was the other name for it. The tent of meeting, the tent of meeting was to be erected in the center of the camp of Israel. They were to orient their camp around the tabernacle. All of their vision was directed towards the middle of the camp. And there in the tabernacle is the place where the Lord God said he would meet with his people. And thus it was called the tent of meeting. Okay? The tabernacle and the temple are primarily, primarily the place where God promises his people he will commune with them. He will commune with them. Whereas Jerusalem was the prophetic promise of the manifestation of God's peace with His people, the temple was the manifestation of God's presence with His people. Don't you like how they're both P words? Peace and presence, okay? The presence of God was communicated to the people of God through the tabernacle and through the temple. In 1st Kings 14 as God speaks about the temple, he says it is the place where he dwells. Okay? 1st Chronicles chapter 7. In 1st Chronicles as we hear about the temple of God, it says that the that fire came down from heaven and then the glory of the Lord filled the temple. Okay? It's another iteration, another version of the presence of God with His people. The glory of God fills the temple. And when Ezra goes to King Cyrus of Persia to explain to him why they need to return to Jerusalem and to build the temple, he says that is the place where sacrifices are made to the living God. Everything about the temple was to communicate the presence of God with his people, even the sacrifices. okay? the sacrifices are the process that God prescribes for his people to make them suitable to be in his presence. Everything about the temple was concerning the presence of God. And so as Jesus speaks this morning about these two images, This information is important as we understand why Jesus will speak in the particular way that he does, okay? Now, Jesus often speaks about the city of Jerusalem. He often speaks about the temple, but we find in chapter 19 that his way of speaking about these two images begins to take a drastic turn. The way he speaks about the temple and the city of Jerusalem changes as he enters the city and as he begins to realize the events of the end of his earthly life, his death and resurrection. Listen to what Jesus, or listen to what the passage says concerning Jesus as he draws near to the city of Jerusalem in verse 21. When he drew near and saw the city He wept over it. He wept over it. Very interesting how this powerful image of God meant to communicate the peace of the living God. As Jesus approaches this visible picture, He begins to weep over it. And the Greek word for weep is the word that means to sob or to wail to shake violently with sadness okay so it's not just the word to cry it is a very powerful weeping that Jesus experiences in verse 41 you see Jesus is beginning to experience and to dictate to those who had listened that there is something drastic that is going to change very soon about this powerful image that God has given. And so he weeps over the city. And it says in verse 42 that he says, Would that you, city of Jerusalem, even you, had known on this day the things that make for peace. But now they are hidden from your eyes. Okay? Did you pick up on the word? The word that Jesus uses. Would that you, even you, had known on this day the things that make for peace. See, It's not just ironic that Jesus would use the word. He understands the imagery that is connected to the city of Jerusalem. The place of peace. The portrait of God's peace with His people. And He says of the city, would that you had known the things that would make for peace saying to the people of jerusalem you have missed it you have neglected it it has been hidden from your vision and now you have not seen the very thing that this city was made for the imagery of peace now presented to you in your lord and savior jesus christ whether you have known the things that make for peace. And so now they are hidden from your eyes. Jesus does a very similar thing with the temple. He doesn't weep over the temple, though he will do that. Later he will weep over the temple. But see what he says here about the temple in verse 45 And he entered the temple and he began to drive out those who sold, saying to them, It is written, My house shall be a house of prayer, but you have made it a den of robbers. Jesus doesn't weep over the temple, but he enters the temple with a degree of righteous anger. And Mark in his gospel will record it with even more vivid detail. Mark will say in chapter 11, And they came to Jerusalem, and Jesus entered the temple. And he began to drive out those who sold and those who bought in the temple. And he overturned the tables of the money changers and the seats of those who sold pigeons. And he would not allow anyone to carry anything through the temple. See, as Jesus enters the temple... And he begins to look at this second very powerful image that God had given to his people to communicate the presence of their God. He sees that these things are being abused and neglected in the temple and not weeping over it, but reacting with a righteous anger. He begins to overturn tables and to prevent these sellers from entering into the temple because he says to them, you have not understood the presence of the living God. And so these images, these rich images in the history of Israel meant to communicate the peace of God and the presence of God, Jesus at this moment realizes these things are coming to an end. He has planned it as such. And He declares to the people, it is evident you have not understood these pictures that God has given to declare His peace and His presence. And it begins then to speak about a conclusion to these signs, okay? A conclusion to these signs. Here's what I would say in, in, a, in a picture form, a representation of what Jesus is saying this morning. He begins to speak about a breaking of these signs, an ending of these signs, a a dismantling of them, and they have been around for generations, for centuries, for thousands of years. They have been powerful images for the people of God, and now Jesus says, in just the course of a few short sentences, these things are coming to an end. These things are coming to an end. Look at what he says in verse 43 concerning the city of Jerusalem. For the days will come upon you when your enemies will set up a barricade around you and surround you and hem you in on every side and tear you down to the ground, you and your children within you, and they will not leave one stone upon another in you because you did not know the time of your visitation. And he says something very similar in chapter 21 concerning the temple. See, while some were speaking of the temple, how it was adorned with noble stones and offerings, he said, as for these things that you see, the days will come when there will not be left here one stone upon another that will not be thrown down. You see, Jesus takes the powerful images given by God since the very beginning. He takes the powerful images and he says, not only have you abused and neglected, have you missed what these images actually were meant to communicate, but I tell you the truth now, the time is soon coming when these things will be wiped off the face of the earth. When they will be done away with, when they will be dismantled, when they will be no more. You see, Jesus is preparing His audience for the events that will now happen in Luke 22 and Luke 23. That is His betrayal, His death, and resurrection. Okay, That is His making all things new. And He says to His audience in preparation of that, the days are soon coming when these images will be done away with. Okay? These images will be done away with. Now, you might be wondering, when does that happen? When is everything taken away, these images taken away, and not one stone is left upon another? Well, I would tell you, these things begin to happen in 67 to 71 A.D. Okay, Jesus the prophet speaks about these things, and they come to pass, for he is the true priest, prophet, and king. In the year 67 A.D., the Jewish-Roman wars begin, and the Jews for a time are revolting against the Romans, and they think they're, they're doing well, having good success. And then in the later portion of the Jewish-Roman wars, this year 68 and then 69 and 70, the Emperor Vespasian and his son Titus, they besiege the city of Jerusalem. They surround it. They eventually enter into the city. They, they massacre all of the people and they demolish the city of Jerusalem. And they destroy the temple. And Josephus, who was the Jewish historian who fought both for the Jews and then later for the Romans, he records in the history of Israel that when Vespasian went into Jerusalem, he not only knocked over all the buildings, but he dug up the foundations of all the buildings, including the temple, that these things would never be built again upon the same foundation. Literally, that every stone upon every stone would be removed and taken down, okay? That even before the end of the apostolic age, the things that Christ said would happen concerning these powerful images given by God came to pass. That these things were done, done away with, unraveled, taken apart, dismantled. The question this morning, the only important question that comes out of this passage then is why? Why images given by God for centuries and generations for the people of Israel, why these things that represent the peace and the presence of God to His people, why are they at this moment done away with? I think one of the keys to understanding why comes in verse 44, okay? Verse 44. In verse 44, as Jesus is speaking about the dismantling of the city of Jerusalem, he says, and they will not leave one stone upon another in you because you did not know the time of your visitation. Because you did not know the time of your visitation. That word visitation, it's a very interesting word, okay? It is the Greek word episkopos, episkopos, and you probably know that. Well, that's a, where we get the, the Episcopalian church, the Episcopal church, okay? Episkopos. It's a word that means oversight. It means, uh, it means to superintend. It means to uh, inspect, Okay? And the word episkopos and the Hebrew version of that throughout the entire Old Testament was a very negative word. God would come to inspect his people and they would tremble because they knew that God's inspection meant judgment. But commentators point out this very interesting change with the word episkopos. Beginning in Luke chapter 19 and then going throughout the entire New Testament, This word, translated as visitation, from Luke 19 forward, it becomes a positive word, okay? Every time this word is mentioned in the New Testament, it means God visiting His people to bring blessing, to bring good things, okay? And Jesus says, these things come to pass because you have missed the moment of your visitation. The moment of your visitation. You see what it was? These images, they were always given by God to point forward to something greater, okay? And I'm just going to give you a lot of arrows, a lot of arrows pointing forward. What do they point forward to? They pointed to Jesus, and there's the cross, okay? All of these images pointing forward to the visitation of Christ, the coming down of God, the dwelling of God with His people. And Jesus says to them, you've missed it. You have missed it, and now these signs are being done away with. Why? Why? Because Jesus Christ is now the fulfillment of the peace of God and of the presence of God. You see what that means? That means that all of this imagery in the city of Jerusalem, right? The fortified walls, the impenetrable foundations, the glorious nature of the city, the security of it, the peace that's mentioned again and again, and of the temple all of the gold that overlaid the temple and the pillars and the sacrifices and the priest and all of the presence of God that is communicated in the temple is all given by God that the people of God would be prepared for the coming of Jesus. For the actual peace of God and for the actual presence of God who is with us. That's why Jesus says these signs are coming to an end. But you know what? The people who were there with Jesus, you know what they preferred? They didn't want the authentic version of God's peace and presence. They preferred the old images. They wanted the old photographs in a sort of nostalgic way. They wanted the city. They wanted the temple. They did not want the actual peace and presence of God that now stood before them. They rejected it. And sadly, I think many Christians today do the same thing. We could talk about how this idea is prevalent in all of Christianity, not just with the signs of the temple and the signs of the city, but with a variety of signs we seek spiritual truth out of that we fail to realize that Jesus is the reality of these images. You think about this, okay, the temple, Many people think of a church building as a temple, okay? They think about the place they go to worship as the sanctuary. You've probably noticed, never call it a sanctuary. It's not just because it's a gym, okay? The, The Puritans, they called their churches and the places they met to worship, they called them the meeting house because they didn't want anyone to mistake the fact that the sanctuary, the temple of God, was not the building. It was the presence of God with us. We are the temple of God. Holy things are happening within us, not within a, any particular building. Okay, and, and yet many today think of the place they go to worship as the temple of God, the sanctuary of God. Think about Jerusalem. I find it interesting how many people I run into, not just broadly in Christianity, even in Reformed circles and in PCA churches who say, you know what, I'm going to Jerusalem to get baptized again in the Jordan River, as if there's something special about the water that runs down the Jordan. Okay, Something special about the image that has been done away with. People say, I'm going to Jerusalem. I'm, I'm seeking a spiritual journey. As if there's something spiritual about this image that has been done away with. The peace and the presence of God you now seek is found in the Lord Jesus Christ. You see what this is like? It's like the person who has this beloved uh, uh, relative, maybe a child, okay, maybe a parent, and this beloved relative lives next door to them. But this person would rather go up into their attic and take out the old trunks and the old boxes and stare at old photographs in a sort of cathartic way, cultivating old emotions, when all they need to do is go down the stairs, over to the next door, and enjoy the very presence of the person they're desiring to have communion with, to have fellowship with. That's what this is like. Jesus Christ is the realization of the peace and the presence of God. He has come. He has sent His Holy Spirit. And now the peace of God dwells within us. And God is now present with us. That's why the apostles As the apostles wrote in the New Testament epistles, it's why they said that we we have seen, we have now seen these things, and we have heard them, and we have felt Jesus with our hands. Because they knew it was the replacement of these old images. They knew that Jesus had come. It is why the writer of Hebrews, when the writer of Hebrews talks about these very images, says, you have not come to what may be touched. But you have come to Mount Zion, and to the city of the living God, to the heavenly Jerusalem, and to the innumerable angels in festal gathering, and to the assembly of the firstborn who are enrolled in heaven, and to God the judge of all, and to the spirits of the righteous made perfect. And you have come to Jesus, the mediator of a new covenant, and to the sprinkled blood that speaks a better word. Than the blood of Abel. So, my encouragement to you this morning, brothers and sisters, is very simple. The peace that you seek, the presence of God that you desire, is now within you by the work of the Spirit. You don't need to seek the peace of God and the presence of God somewhere in external images. He has come. He has revealed himself to us and he has left his spirit that we, the people of God, might week in and week out, together might experience the peace and the presence of God which surpasses understanding that we might be made whole in our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Father, We thank you. We thank you, Lord God, that you have indeed given us images. But we thank you that these images, as powerful as they were, have been done away with. That these things, the city and the temple, have been dismantled stone by stone, block by block as a picture not only of your judgment for those who have rejected and who have not seen the things that make for peace, but as a sign also of the fulfillment of the covenant of grace that God has made with His people. That you, our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, have accomplished everything. That is necessary for us to be fully restored to our God and Father. And now we ask, as we stand here needing only Jesus, through your word revealed to us, we ask our Lord and our God that you would indeed give us peace in our heart. That you, our Lord and our God, would be present with us. And that we would not tremble out of fear being near to the living God. But that we would boldly come before you. Knowing that we indeed have been made righteous. By the blood of Christ. Who is our Savior. Our Redeemer. And the one who reconciles us to you, our God and Father. We thank you. We praise you this morning. In the name of Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen.